0: I'm excited uh, about this series because it just helps us kick off uh, the new year right, talking about staying the course as long as we're on the right one. So uh, we talked about spiritual discipline, and then last week we talked um, through Hebrews chapter 12, that portion of scripture that talks about God loves us, and because he loves us, he disciplines us. The title of my message today is Godly Parents Discipline Their Kids. So remember, this uh, series is about staying the course in life and staying the course spiritually and in all sorts of ways. Uh, so we hit these different ideas. And today we're going to talk about this, but I don't want you to zone out if you're a grandparent and you say, I've already checked the box, they graduated, they're married, Everything's No, because you have a role to play as a grandparent. I don't want you to check out if you say, I don't have any kids yet. Someday you will, and I pray in the name of Jesus, you remember messages like this that will help you. You know, uh, when we first came to celebrate church uh, over six years ago now at this point, when my wife and I came here um, to see what God was going to do, uh, we really had no idea what he was going to do. We just believed and trust trusted him that he was going to do something awesome. And we really felt like the Lord had burdened us with the idea of reaching families in our community. Uh, That is still going strong. We're still on that same path of reaching families here in Clinton. And I believe that God gave us that for a reason. Because the truth is, God is a family man. Um, He absolutely is a family man. Uh, The Bible says, and this isn't to go off on a different tangent. But the Bible says, God hates divorce. It doesn't say he hates those who have been divorced. It says he hates divorce. Why would he hate divorce? Because it's the destruction and the undoing of the elemental reason he put us here together so that we could have families. And in turn, that we would understand more about who he is, more about love, the love of God, not just human love, but that we would understand those things. God designated and designed all of creation You need to think about this, all of creation, not just humanity, all of creation with family in mind. So we'll have the verses on the screen for you, but you can turn there if you'd like to. Genesis chapter one. I want to read to you a few verses that kind of launch us in the right direction today. Verse 27 of chapter one in Genesis, it says this about the creation account. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, stay by yourselves, don't do anything together, don't ever, no, that's not what he said, right? He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Sometimes though, as parents, it can be really hard to stay the course but I truly do believe that godly parents who are attempting to raise godly kids discipline those kids. The book of Proverbs has a wealth of wisdom for anyone in any stage of their life. You can look in there and it talks about saving your money rather than wasting it. It talks about being a good steward. It talks about getting up and not being lazy. It talks about work. It talks about family. It talks about a lot of stuff and it's only 31 chapters and they're pretty short. So there's 31 days in some months, which means you could read a chapter a day and you could get a lot of wisdom, gain a lot of wisdom from it. There's some wisdom in there about parents that I want to share with you today. And the first verse comes from Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. It says this, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now we're not talking about spanking today. Although I know that many hands went up last week when I said, how many of you have been spanked? Let me see those hands again. When you were a kid, look at that. I praise God again. The original Hebrew, just pay attention to this last phrase where it says, he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. That original statement in Hebrew can also be translated, but he who loves him disciplines him early. I thought that was really interesting to see that. Look at what Proverbs chapter one, verse eight and nine say. It says this, hear my son, your father's instruction And forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. In other words, they make your life beautiful, the instruction of the Father in your life and the teaching of your mother. How many of you, I'm not going to ask you to speak it out, but how many of you can remember a repeated phrase one of your parents said all the time? Just raise your hand. Mm -hmm. Yep. It stuck with you. Hopefully it was a good one. <laughs> um, it stuck with you. Look at what Proverbs verse, uh, chapter 22, verse 6 says. It says this, and we use this when we do our ch- child dedications here. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's a thought there that's being communicated by the author in Proverbs that is saying if you do the right thing consistently with your children, God will make sure that when they are old, they won't depart from it. Now, there may be a long journey before they ever get back there, but there's hope for the believer who has trained up a child in the way they should go. I want to read to you another passage, and then I'm going to give you some thoughts this morning about what we can do as godly parents in the discipline of our children. What you can do as a grandparent to support your children. What you can do as a single person to prepare to have children. Ephesians chapter 6 says this in verse 1. Children, any children in here? No, listen to me. Y'all didn't get the joke. You're, you've all been born, right? Okay. All right. Stay with me. Wake up. All right. Here, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus and they're dealing with a whole lot of stuff going on and he's heard about some different details that are happening in that church. So he handles a bunch of different things and then he's got this little tiny nugget that he's gonna give to them about how to run their families and he starts not by saying dads or not by saying moms but he starts by saying children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Here's the promise in verse three that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. This promise came to the Israelite people years and years, thousands, like hundreds and more than a thousand years before Paul writes this all the way back when, and God says, I'm going to save you, bring you out of all the place of slavery. I'm going to set you in the promised land. And as you go there and get there, I want you to have structure in your families. And he tells the kids even way back then that you should honor your parents so that you can live a long life in the land that he's promised. I wonder how many promises that God has for his people have been denied as a result of this. Verse 4, it says this, Then there's a warning to fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. This is not just for fathers, but... I think Paul understood that there was something about fatherhood uh, that maybe has a temptation to provoke those that they love. My wife should stop laughing at this. Do not provoke your children to anger, but mothers, listen up. It's to both of you, to the father and the mother, to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So children should obey and honor their parents. Fathers shouldn't provoke them to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Raising a godly family and instilling godly character in our children is our responsibility. That's on you and on I. It's on you for your children and your grandchildren, as well as for me, for my children and grandchildren. That responsibility doesn't belong. I want you to look up at me and hear me well. It does not belong to your school. That's right. I send my kids to a Christian school, and guess what? There are still uh-huh. non-Christians that go there. <laughs> I can think of some other terms. There are there are still Satan followers. <laughs> That go to Christian schools. There are still problems. My, my eight-year-old daughter wrote a prayer card this morning and put it in the prayer basket. If you didn't know, there are prayer cards in the seat backs there. You can drop in a prayer request there or the offering box. And we pray over those throughout the week. And I asked her, I said, what are you writing down? And she was writing down a, a prayer about a friend in school who is mistreating other kids the words he says and the behavior he has. And it's just not on the radar of the teacher as much as she thinks it should be. And so her prayer is, God, would you help so-and-so? That's real. That's in second grade. (laughs) It's in 12th grade too, whether it's public school or private school. But that responsibility of raising kids does not fall on a school system. And I'm gonna tell you something that may surprise you. It doesn't fall on a sports coach for a team. I could get get off on a tangent about the priorities in American families' lives, but I'm not this morning, because you're here, and I'm (laughs) preaching to you. Okay, Uh, it also doesn't fall on their community. I know Hillary Clinton said years ago, it takes a village to raise a kid. There's some truth in that, but it takes me to raise my kid. I can't just slough that off or shoulder that on somebody else. Yes, I'm thankful for the body of Christ, but even the church is not responsible for your child and for their spiritual development. The discipline that's necessary for a family, that spiritual discipline starts in your home and it starts with you. It it doesn't rest anywhere else. And, for From what I can read in scripture and from what I understand, we're going to be held accountable for the deeds we've done in our body, even as believers, the Bible says. So when I get to heaven and when I'm talking to the Lord or he's talking to me and holds me accountable and responsible, he's not going to say, well, you know, you didn't show up to church that one Sunday. And because of that, you felt no, he's going to hold me responsible for the things I know I'm responsible for, including my wife, my children, the things, my finances, the things I am in control of and responsible of. So we've got to be really clear on this. God gave instructions to the Israelites way back when in Deuteronomy chapter six. And I want you to read this passage with me. It says, hero, Israel, in verse four, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. Go back one verse, Miss Christine. Hero, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I want you to understand just the context of what that means. They lived in a society where people <coughs> worshiped other gods, multiple gods, and we call that polytheism, multiple gods that they worshiped. This was a first in humanity at this point and the writer is inscribing what he believes he's understood god's god speaking to the people hero israel the lord our god the lord is one you serve one god he's got one set of instructions he's got one heart for you look at what it then continues to say you shall love the lord your god with all your heart your soul and with your might and these words that i command you today shall be on your heart You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them upon the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You might look at this scripture and think, gosh, that seems a little bit of extra work. That seems a little bit over the top. Talking about I gotta talk about it with them in my house when I rise, when I stand, when I this, when I that, on the door post of the house, I gotta have it between my eyes. God was serious about this. He says, do this and in doing so, you'll receive a blessing. Discipline and perseverance are required in a godly family. And God said a huge number of things inside of his word that really can be Pulled down and narrowed down or sifted into these just these few thoughts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. How, how can you do that unless you're taught that? And where can you get taught that if you can't get taught that at home? If you've ever seen pictures or if you've ever had the pleasure, which I have, of talking with and um, sharing some time with Orthodox Jews, they take this seriously. Still to this day on the doors of their house are tiny scrolls of the entirety of the Torah wrapped inside of these little things that as soon as you walk out the doors, you could see they really do truly walk around and you can Google images and see they have tiny little boxes that some of the Orthodox men wear with a headband and inside of that holds the word of God. They take this literally and maybe we haven't taken it literal enough Okay, Maybe that's over the top, but for you and for me, we need to pay attention to what God's word says about teaching our children his word, talking about them every chance we get. In fact, if you didn't pay attention or if you weren't counting, 18 times in those six verses is the word you or your. So that definitely tells me it's not they, them, we, it's you or your. So your children's spiritual development really is your responsibility. The church, our church, wants to be a partner with you. That's why we strive to have excellent children's ministry, not just babysitting, but actually speaking the word of God, leading them in worship, teaching them how to trust him. This is so important for their lives, so important. Uh, My encouragement though, to each one of you as parents, when it comes to your children's development, whether it's spiritual, whether it's cognitive, whether it's socially, is that you stay the right course. That you get on the course of God's word and stay on that course. I want to share with you a couple of things because you might be asking the question, well, how do I do that? Do I just need to start reading a chapter a day to my kids while they scream, cry, and say I'm hungry? <laughs> like, when, when, what are we supposed to do about this? Do I just trust that Veggie Tales is what they need every day? Well, I'm going to give you a couple tips that will help. Okay, and I still enjoy Veggie Tales. Okay, uh, the first thing is this: start early. Um, waiting until your child is five is too late. And waiting till your child is 14 and starts hanging out with the wrong crowd and doing all kinds of nutty stuff, that's almost hopeless. So start early. If you haven't started early and you you kind of realize that right now, oh dear, what do I do? Start today. <laughs> yeah. You better start, and you better start quick. Yeah. Yeah. Your children need to learn to obey. Why is that so important? Because in them learning to obey their human authority figure, me, it helps them be productive members in society later to obey a speed limit, to obey a judge, to obey a boss. It even helps them to learn to obey the still small voice of God himself. That's why there's a bigger goal here than just me getting them to fold their clothes or to put the stuff away or to do this or to do that. So we've got to make sure that we start early. We're training them to obey us so that they can obey all authority in their life. I did a series years ago about authority issues. I feel like there are a lot of people who have authority issues. Oh, well, you know, he just has an authority issue. I mean, that's really what... No, but God works through authority. In fact, every single thing he's ever done, he works through authority. So if you struggle with authority, maybe you struggle to obey. And maybe that affects your relationship even with God today. The second thing is this. Be consistent. My word, I cannot say this enough. I don't know about you, if you've ever had a boss that allowed a behavior one day, and then 10 days later you got yelled at and threatened with discipline as a result, and you're like, but wait a second. Or, better yet, you've been the recipient of the potential discipline, but you know good and well 12 other people in your office do that thing and nobody else got talked to. Oh, Jesus, help us. So be consistent, if you know what that feels like, then you understand that a lack of consistency is frustrating. They don't know how to say, mommy and daddy, your lack of consistency in my life is really frustrating to me and that's why I'm acting out. They can't say that, they don't know how to word that and articulate it, but I'm telling you, being consistent is key. So don't be that boss like that boss you were thinking of, don't be that way to your children. That's why it's so important for us to set expectations, to set boundaries around them. I know it's difficult. I know there are days where you're like, my goodness, I just want to be lazy. I just want to let them do whatever they want to be. I just, But you've got to be consistent. And grandparents, you should listen close. Help your children be consistent. Mom and dad, if you're listening to this message... (laughs) Um, Yes, grandparents are fun and cool and get whatever you want, sweetheart. That's great. All of that is good. You've earned that. Sam, look at me. You've earned the right to do that. But when mom and dad are having some issues with the discipline in their home because of the children and rebellion and whatever the case may be, support them. Stand with them. Keep those same rules when they come to your house. That way they understand because they thrive in places of consistency. Number three is this. Correction is necessary. I want to talk about this for a few minutes with you because I think it's really important. All throughout God's word, you can hear God correcting his people. You can hear him correcting individuals. I think if someone like Jonah, where God spoke to him, told him to do something, Jonah literally got on a boat and steamed away in the wrong direction on purpose, and God got his attention. God corrected him. If you've ever been corrected by someone, you understand it's not something that any of us enjoy, but we all need correction. It's not something we look forward to but it is something that is necessary. So I want you to think about your parenting style for just a second. Those of you who are currently parenting, do you guide and redirect along the way or do you tolerate, 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 explode? <laughs> we all have those days, but think about, the, think about the consistency of what your pattern looks like. Providing correction along the way takes time And it takes intentionality. But the payoff is huge when you can correct. Now, I'll stop and I'll say this as well. You and your spouse need to be on the same page. We have a couple, a beautiful couple in our church that is looking to get married in May. They talked to me about coming in for uh, premarital counseling and talking through some things to prep for marriage And in some of those sessions, what we talk about is, how many kids do you want? How many kids do you want? And we start working through some of the the expectation because we want them to be on the same page. It is extremely hard if a mother or a father is acting like a grandparent. And the other is acting like an authoritarian. It is extremely difficult. So get on the same page. You might have to compromise. The hard nose might need to soften. The one who's super soft needs to firm up a little bit. Y'all need to be on the same page. My wife and I still have days where sometimes we're not on the same page, but we have to work at that. She'll say something that's different than what I would say to our kids about whatever direction or something. We still have those things. And guess what? God is good enough to give us the grace to keep working through those things. But correction is necessary When you provide correction often and early in life, your children will very much more likely, (laughs) that's horrible grammar, will very likely need little correction as they mature. If they're being corrected now and being disciplined now in the early stages, then as they mature, sure, we all get off course and we all need course correction. But the fact that you've instilled in them those simple principles early on really helps them. And guess what, mom and dad? It gives you peace. It helps you as well. Trust me. It's good for you. Do y'all remember maybe hearing Psalm 23? Heard it at a funeral, you may have heard it on a TV show, you heard it in church. The Lord is my shepherd. Think about that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He, in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, though I walk through the valley, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Those are two very interesting tools that a shepherd uses that you don't know about because you're not a shepherd and you don't live way back then. So you don't know. But the staff of the shepherd is meant to help him as well, not fall off the edge of a cliff. It's meant to guide, to hold in front of the sheep. And the rod is meant as gentle corrections all the way through. Sometimes they may be harsher corrections that are necessary. But there's something really interesting when the word of God uses that early on passage that we read, don't spare the rod. In other words, correct your children when necessary. Rarely does a shepherd need to use his rod, needs to use his rod to correct and protect his sheep. But when he does, it's not punishment out of anger, That's what I think we really need to get to. And maybe even it helps inform what you think about God as your shepherd. It's not punishment out of anger, but it's actually a protective mechanism that can help facilitate good things. It actually prevents you from falling off the cliff. It actually helps you stay away from danger. It's out of concern and love that a shepherd Would do that for his sheep. The same thing is true for you and I as parents. One of the strongest biblical statements about discipline is found in Proverbs 23, verse 13 and 14. It says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he's not gonna die. That's what your parents believe. That's why they, okay. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. It says this, if you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from hell. Bless God, I want to save my kids from hell. I want to I save them from the tragedies that could befall them. I want to help them in my home now know what it's like to stay the course. That's what I want for my family, and that's what I know you want for your family. So personally, discipline, like we're talking about today, it teaches us to avoid sinful things. It teaches us to avoid the dangers of sin and the consequences of it. But corporately or altogether, what it really does is it helps us have a society that is not selfish, that is not lawless, that is not dysfunctional. This stuff's important. It is very, very important. And I would say this, correction when inspired by love can truly assist in a change of behavior. So don't neglect to correct. Because every single time you do that, you will end up regretting it. Say, Pastor, when's this going to be over? I'm not a parent. Just a few more minutes. Number four is this. Be calm, And controlled. Berating or angry, demeaning talk has no place in a home. You shouldn't talk that way to a spouse. You shouldn't talk that way to a child. You should be calm and controlled. Some of you may have been raised in homes where people use those words or that style. But here's the deal. Godly parents cannot be defined by that. They cannot You cannot look at a home that's filled with those sorts of things and say, oh, those are godly parents with godly kids. You just can't. We all get angry, but anger is toxic. The Bible says it's okay to be angry if you're angry. This is my paraphrase. If you're angry about the right thing and if you don't sin in your anger. But anger in and of itself can be toxic. It can be toxic in a home. It's toxic at your job if you're angry at your boss here, give me a, I'll give you a scenario. If, you're, if you've got a coworker who's angry at your boss, that starts spreading like wildfire and everybody gets angry. So, anger is definitely toxic. Deal with your anger. It's okay to read a book on the subject, it's okay to try to develop, it's okay to talk to someone. But my goodness, do not forget the power that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Bible says, now lives inside of believers individually. So trust the Holy Spirit and ask him. You've got to remember Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the spirit. One of those things is self-control. If you're lacking it, it's not that you're lacking a piece of fruit, that you're lacking the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. So make sure that you get more influence of him in your life, allow more influence of him. Number five is this, we've only got two more, five and six. Number five is be firm but flexible. Now I hope that you're listening and you didn't shut me off because none of you are perfect parents and I'm not either. None of you are perfect grandparents. I know you'd like to think so. Um, and I will know so when I'm a grandparent. I'll be a perfect grandparent. But don't don't just don't tap out just yet. Be firm but flexible. Different situations call for different solutions. This is like parenting class today to help you understand what we are to do as godly parents. And different kids call for different approaches. This is true. I've only got two kids, and in some ways they're similar, and in most other ways they are opposite. I can do one thing, like I only have to threaten, I don't even have to threaten, I just have to give a look to one, tears come, I'm so sorry daddy, and the other's like, catch me if you can, papa, you know, like that, I mean, there's just a, and you know my kids, so you know which one I'm talking about, but being rigid and not flexible causes children to rebel, it gives them a reason or an excuse to rebel, be firm with the rules you've set in your house. Set them early and keep them all the way through. Some of you who are younger are thinking, wait, that's why my parents said that. Yeah, set the rules early and stay with them. Exceptions are okay from time to time, but favoritism is not. So make sure the flexibility you offer to one, you offer to the other. Be firm, but be flexible. I think that that is um, a dividing line or or a problem In a lot of families' upbringing, in fact, if I were to ask you right now today for you to raise your hand, please don't to raise your hand and say I was the favorite child. There's a handful. If I said to you, how many of you were not, and it was very obvious that you were not the favorite, don't be looking down the road. Quit that. Um, how many of you were not the favorite child, then others would, uh, so you understand there's the potential for bitterness, for anxiety, for stress, for conflict, for all of this stuff, so don't show favoritism, but be flexible, be firm, and the last is this, and worship team, I want you to come join me, the last is this, keep the end in sight, As godly parents, and this is not just like a, okay, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, so, you know, have some hope. They're gonna graduate and get out of your house. Keep the end in sight. Really, what I mean when I say that is, as parents, godly character is the goal. You have to realize that in the midst of that moment when you have to give discipline. When it breaks your heart, like I told you last week, it must break the heart of God to have to correct. But he knows he needs to do it to us. And he knows we need him to do it. So keep the end in mind of godly character being the goal. We should be working to see that accomplished, not just in our kids' lives, but also in our lives as well. God designed Humans with the idea of having a family. And I sincerely believe that the biggest goal in that was to learn more about who he is. In fact, I've got this sneaking suspicion that all throughout the Word of God, and if you've ever read the Jesus Storybook Bible, it's powerful how they put it together, but God's always been about getting the family back. Something really bad happened in Genesis. And his whole mission, even in sending his only begotten son to this earth, was so that he could have a family and that every single person who believes in him could have eternal life. So he is definitely a family man. A child who's been disciplined and understands the consequences of their wrong actions is a child who can easily understand that God is a God who punishes sin but he rewards faithfulness. In fact, this breaks my heart to say, but I really believe this is true and I want you to listen closely. A child who never receives discipline in the home will have a harder time receiving the love of God and salvation than one who has I truly believe that because our understanding is already set on the right path for the right goal. The family unit that God ordained teaches children to become productive members of society, of their family, their job, it helps and it benefits in all those things. Godly character is this goal, not just adherence to a list of rules, not just doling out punishments or you're grounded it's to get us to the place of godly character. And I thank God that my parents did that for me. I really truly do, because they set an example for me to do the same thing with my children. So parents, I wanna encourage you, stay the course. It is tough, tougher on some days than others. It's never too late to start. And here's the deal, whatever your failures, God, his help, With God's help, you can start today, staying the course as a family, owning up to the responsibility you have for their spiritual development. And here's the other thing, talk to people. I know psychologists and psychiatrists are good and they went to school for 37 years to be who they are, to study. And I know that there's some real good nuggets of stuff that can help you, but God's people can help you inside this church. You can talk to parents that you admire and you can say, hey, how would you deal with this? My kid is just bugging me. I don't know what to do. I feel like I lost my cool. I'm confessing to you. Would you pray for me? There's a significant amount of safety when that happens. That's why I love the family of God and then determined to stay on this course. I'm gonna say something that is a side note and it's probably not for those who are here, but maybe they'll hear, hear this message. Godly parents discipline their kids, but godly parents raise their kids in church. And I'm proud of each and every one of you, parents and grandparents, for bringing your children, for trusting us to partner with you. That's a huge win in my book. Because I truly believe that that makes all the difference in their lives. Would you close your eyes with me? Today, you may very well be here and you have a, a big need in your heart, your life, your home, your finances, your job. And you say, Pastor, thanks for the message about parenting. But like I'm dealing with this giant thing and I just I need prayer. I'd love to pray with you today. So if you'd like to, you can step out of your seat in just a moment when we open our eyes and you can come see me over on the side wall. There's a prayer station there and I'll be there to pray with you. You shouldn't feel ashamed about that. You shouldn't let anything stop you from getting prayed for because church is where you can do that and you should have no shame or thought of that. But I want to pray a prayer of blessing over the parents and grandparents who are here, and even those who are single or in the stages of life planning for children, that you would honor God in all of that. Heavenly Father, I pray over us as a church that you would help us stay the course with our kids. Individually, help us, Lord, as we attempt. Lord, we know there'll be days where we fail, but we're confident that we'll have more good days ahead than we've had bad days behind. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen the resolve of the moms and the dads here, that they're on the right track. Help them, Lord, those who need to get on the right track. God, I pray a blessing over the grandparents here, that they would help facilitate and support their children as they raise children. And Lord, I do pray for those who are younger, those who are planning to get married someday and planning to have children. I pray that you would help them every step along the way, help them to live their life, to honor you and God help them to become parents that honor you as well.